Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Today, the first Sunday of Epiphany, the lectionary annually brings us to the story of Jesus being found in the temple by his parents, Mary and Joseph, at the age of 12. This story logically follows a timeline that we experience from Christmas, Christ's birth, until the time of the start of his public ministry, when he performs his first miracle at the wedding of Cana. The Sunday after Christmas, although this year it was superseded by the Feast of St. Stephen, usually recapitulates from the Gospel of Matthew the story of Christmas and the birth of Jesus. Then we have Jesus presented in the temple for his circumcision on the octave day of the Nativity. And then as we ushered in a new season after the close of the 12 days of Christmas on Epiphany this past Thursday, we read about the visit of the Magi, which happened sometime after his birth in the story we hear about today. That is his finding in the temple. Subsequently, we'll hear about Jesus' baptism next week and then the wedding at Cana the following week. However, back to today's account, which is found only in the Gospel of Luke. The story once again emphasizes the faithfulness of Jesus' parents and Jesus himself to God's commandments to the Jews. As here it notes, they went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, as it says they did each and every year, which would require being present for the sacrifices, associated meal, and the week-long afterfeast of unleavened bread. This trip was no minor event. By car, Nazareth and Jerusalem are about 90 miles apart, about the distance from Atlanta to Macon. According to a MAPS app, either walking from Nazareth to Jerusalem or Atlanta to Macon would take about 30 hours nonstop. If you were young and healthy, the sunlight was favorable, the weather was favorable, and you could tolerate 12, 10 to 12 hours of walking a day without a break, it would be, still be a little bit longer than a two-day two journey, right? So obviously, if you were traveling with a big caravan like Jesus' family, where there are only so many people uh, that they couldn't even keep up with their son, then you probably aren't moving very fast. And as, it, as church tradition tells us, Joseph was already an older man at the time of Jesus' birth. Then he certainly was not going at the rate of an 18-year-old by this time. So that, they, so that they had gotten a day away from Jerusalem means they had made considerable progress, but probably not a lot getting back to Nazareth. I don't know if any of you did any traveling over the holidays or recently, and I don't know if you're anything like me, but no matter how excited I am to go somewhere, no matter how much fun I had while I was there, there's nothing like getting home and sleeping in your own bed. Something is uniquely relaxing and refreshing about it, even if you have been working from home so much of the past few years that you sometimes can't stand the thought of spending another moment cooped up in your house. Imagine for a moment how Joseph and Mary must have felt at that moment when they realized that Jesus really, I mean really, was not with the rest of the traveling party. Not only were they probably going to be home in the next couple of days, but now they had to turn back surely already somewhat tired by this point, and hoped that Jesus, their only child, was okay. And in the end, where was he? All the way back in Jerusalem. So at least one more day they traveled just to get back to Jerusalem, worried, trying to go as fast as they could. 
but again, probably quite tired by this point. And it says it took them, though, three days to find Jesus. So they searched the city likely for one and a half to two days after they got back. So is it any wonder that Mary asked her son, why hast thou dealt with us so? Behold, my father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And yet we see that Jesus's, her, her son's response made an impression on her. He replied, how is it that you sought me? Was you not that I must, was not ye that I must be about my father's business? It doesn't tell us how Mary and Joseph reacted. I have every faith much more calmly than I would have, and I feel confident about that, not just because we revere them as saints of the church, but also because we note that it records that Mary, quote, kept all these sayings in her heart. And this is presumably how they end up in St. Luke's gospel. Whereas St. Luke tells us he wrote his accounts based on discussions with eyewitnesses which given the details he records about the infancy and youth of Jesus that are found nowhere else in the other Gospels appears to have come from Mary herself. You may also know that church tradition holds that Luke was the first iconographer and that his first image was something similar to what we see here on the left side of our altar, which is also known as Our Lady of Vladimir, an icon that was transferred to Constantinople to Vladimir, Russia in 1115 and is one of many icons that were supposedly painted by St. Luke himself. Now, let's reflect on this story, though, in the context of our life and relationship to God and see what insights it can bring us. First, consider the context, the annual trip to Jerusalem for the Passover. Had this journey become so routine and comfortable that Mary and Joseph did not perhaps take the same care they would have to touch base with their son regularly? Maybe, but probably not. I don't think there were helicopter parents in the first century. But nevertheless, let that be one caution for us. Because have we let our routine, our daily grind, the comfort of the ordinary, keep us from staying close to Jesus? Second, if we realize we've gotten away from Jesus, even if it's a long way, we're tired, we're scared, we're frustrated, or even mad at him, maybe we need to turn back as soon as we are able. We have to turn back as soon as we're able. To keep heading the wrong way will obviously only make the return trip all that more difficult. So one should immediately turn around, repent, if you find yourself walking away from God. Third, we need to ask ourselves how well we really know Jesus. Here we see Jesus' parents frantically searching for him for, as we said, likely one and a half to two days after they get back to Jerusalem. Of course, it's a big and busy place, but why didn't they look where he was first? You know, they, they I'm surely looked with their friends and family they'd stayed with, maybe around the streets and marketplaces, yet clearly they didn't really know where he was. Maybe they didn't really know him, even as his own parents, as well as they thought they did. And so they clearly didn't go to the place where Jesus had been all along, the temple where he was teaching. And also, how often is it that we go everywhere searching for God, but don't come to church to find him? God is everywhere. Yes, yes, he is. But he is especially present here with us in the services and the liturgy and the Eucharistic sacrament most especially. Can you find God other places? Certainly. 
But there's one thing you can count on, that you can always find him here. And not only can you find God here, you can encounter him face to face in the bread and wine, the body and the blood that he commands us to participate in so that our souls can be fed. And be not surprised when you encounter him again after being so distant that he says to you, why were you looking for me? You knew right where I was all along. And brothers and sisters, we know where Jesus is. He stands at the door and knocks, but will we answer it? Will we open the door? The good news is that when we are ready to do so, he will come in and dine with us. He promises us that. But are we ready to dine with him? Are we ready to turn things around and go find him, especially when we're reminded that we already know right where he is, and yet how often do we keep walking, even running, away from him, though simply being by simply being consumed through the routine of our life, letting the ordinary keep us away from the extraordinary, or even through avert avoidance. Thus, in closing, let us reflect on what it says happened next, that Jesus went down with his parents back to their home in Nazareth and was subject to them. The creator of the universe was subject to his creatures, the master to his servants, God was subject to man. Not only was Jesus following the commandments perfectly in his honor of his mother and father, but he was already demonstrating the humility that brought him to be born in the first place and laid in that dirty, smelly manger to a materially poor but rich in faith family on Christmas Day. And he was showing the obedience that led him to accept the cross for the redemption and salvation of us all. Brothers and sisters, turn back and seek him. Find him right where you know he already is, and then be faithful and obedient to him as he has been to his earthly parents and his father in heaven. Then too you will grow like him in wisdom and age and grace with God and man. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.